It's roundtable. Shorter panel. Actually, this was supposed to be the largest panel that we've ever had. We were supposed to go six because I'm, I was going to extend it out to six because people are like, I want to be on or I want to be on another episode. And I was like, we only do it monthly, but stretching, stretching it to six would get three more regulars on. Um, and then Brian said, hey, I got to go. And then Michael's asleep. But don't worry. We're still going to talk about his Australian movie. Um, Scott's here. One of the returners for uh, every episode, except one. I think I think you've only missed one at yeah, this point. Um, how are you doing? What movie did you bring to us today? Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, I guess it's only been a month since the last one. It feels like it's been a while, maybe just because of the holidays and all that. I guess we did maybe record that one a little bit. We recorded early in December, yeah. so then this one was like six anyway, weeks I'm, longer. I'm good. The movie I brought was The Ice Storm, uh, Ang Lee's uh family drama from the late 90s some would not the only that we thought you'd bring after being on top 100 we thought you'd bring the hulk but you know may <laughs> stick around it may that come on another time to be fair <clears throat> that's fair um holtzman uh you're on uh i wanted to get you on one of these episodes i actually stole one of your movies i think you were going to bring one if you were ever. I, you did like the first episode, and I was like, "If I'm ever on this, I'm gonna pick Night of the Hunter." And then the second episode, I think you went Night of the Hunter. I was like, "Okay, cool, great." Uh, I went to like five backups, and then finally picked my movie, uh, which the movie I picked was Colossal. Uh, just a cool indie sci-fi monster movie, but also like a really human story. I think it's really cool. Um, yeah. Dylan, the one, probably the person in this community that I, like, see eye to eye with on every film that's ever been made. Absolutely. Um, Dylan, what'd you bring and how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Excited to talk about the fucking alcoholism and animal cruelty in these movies tonight. But, uh, uh, yeah, the movie I brought is a film from 2018 called Tigers Are Not Afraid, which is a dark fantasy set in, like, the Mexican drug cartel wars. And uh, it's a underseen film that I feel like more people should see. So, yeah. Yeah. And I'm doing okay. Um, I brought the man who shot Liberty Balance, um, uh, uh, a Western that I think does not actually rank to the like level that some Westerns do. I think it's good once everybody sees it, but I think it's underseen. So that's why I picked it. It's kind of crazy. Because uh, I never, everybody's like, so what's the theme and what do we pick and what do I like? You pick whatever you want on the show and whatever happens, happens. I kind of pick people also that I don't get to hear talk a lot about like their film taste and stuff. Like I know their taste, like Dylan is one that I've talked to about movies, but I want to hear him like, you know, discuss it on film, um, on call. So, um, and then we can't forget, we can't forget there's another person that's not here. One that I'm very excited Yeah. Brian picked Strange Brew, which I was really excited to watch, but then we scrapped it. I've never seen it. He was Scott was not excited, but I've heard it's, nothing. It's but one of my favorites. It. I was so happy when I saw it. Um, and then I guess it's a rite of passion right next to like Crocodile Dundee and Mad Max. Awake in Fright um, is uh, the one that. Uh, the kangaroo slaughter movie is what I'm going to call it. We'll talk about it later, but that's basically what it is. Uh, I guess roundtable kind of works, but we're just open discussion on these movies. Um, <clears throat> and then, um, so the first one we're going to talk about tonight is Colossal. We're going to talk about Colossal. 
Um, so before like getting into like details of the movie, you kind of explained it a little bit, but what made you like gravitate towards this movie and then why did you pick it for this specific episode? Yeah, when I was looking through movies, I wanted to go for something that like not a ton of people have seen, but that's not like extremely obscure. Um, and just something that I really like. And so I looked through a lot of the movies that are in my top 100 list that a lot of people, and especially the people on this panel, no more than one or maybe two of this group had seen uh, besides myself, just so that like we could see from people rewatching it, from people having a first time. Uh, but this was a movie I saw when it first came out that I really enjoyed. Um, and then I rewatched it near the end of last year. Uh, and I just thought it was so much better on a rewatch. And then I rewatched it again in preparation for this. And I think the more times I rewatch it, just the more I get from that movie and the more interesting I think it is. Um, but I think, yeah, it's got very strong performances, a very a ridiculous concept, but the way it uses that concept to deal with like very serious and human themes, <laughs> I, very impressive to me. Um, yeah, I just think it's a really cool and underseen movie that I wanted to talk about. And because I was talking yes. about it, and the B. Who said that? Did I talk you out of it? No. Oh, I I would have loved to rewatch Aquila and the B. It's been so long. So right, bring me back <laughs> a little bit. I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, screw Coho. Coho doesn't watch movies on North. That potato sack. Okay. Um, no. So this movie does something really smart because the first start of it i was out i was out by a large i didn't love the start of it <clears throat> because it's a ridiculous concept it really is but when they tie that concept into the real human element to it the monsters mean nothing at that point like that's the, the thing like i was like what the f how are you going to connect this and where are you going to go with it all but how real that like connection is and again spoil you talk about it as much as you want again if you haven't seen it go check it out before you watch this i don't know why you're watching five movies if you've never seen some of them but glad you're here <clears throat> but um there's one problem in this movie for me i don't take jason sudeikis as a like that guy it's the one cripe that i have from this movie if they cast anybody else i can't take him as an asshole, like an over the top, like that point. Don't you think that's the point of casting him? Because he maybe is TV's Ted Lasso. I mean, he wasn't at that point, but like right. he is right. you know, traditionally it presents as being a sort of nice, like a very cut guy, and that's very, what you think he yeah. is for the first part of the movie. Yeah, it's, I, 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 I wasn't I, I, that crazy I, about I, the movie, but I'm talking you into the way it. that when the movie starts, Hathaway's character is the like broken, shitty, terrible person. And Sudeikis is like, I'm just the happy-go-lucky guy in town. And then seeing that shift where he turns out to be the really bad person and the way you can see that gradual... And this is another thing that on a rewatch, like, when you know that that whole thing is coming, you can see the bits and pieces of it in him as it builds to that. Whereas, like, on a first watch, it might feel a bit more sudden, but, like, it's there throughout. And just seeing the way that they shift from one to the other, I think, is fantastic. It's the classic dynamic that's being done in movies recently of the nice guy 
turns out he's not actually the nice guy and that his, you know, niceness in its way is toxic because he's only being nice because he wants something. And once he realizes he's not going to be able to get what he wants, you know, full blown, full yeah. on fire. Scott, you know, as, as that one movie you watched at Sundance. <laughs> well, that is one, the movie that that is a spiritual following up of. Yes. Again, it's. I guess. I guess where you're you're correct. Um, I guess it, I guess it all started back. Well, this trend probably started 2013. Frozen was the first like the oh that good guy's not really a good guy. It's a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> the trend might be farther, but that's the one that I remember like being shocked from when I was first watching. Um, I guess you're right because now looking through that lens of being maybe the correct choice. Because of him showing up at the apartment all the time and doing and saying, "Oh, well, you wanted me to do," and that stuff and the stuff builds, <clears throat> makes a little bit more sense. Okay, so maybe I don't didn't dislike the casting as much as maybe that's the correct choice. Maybe I just don't want to see not. I have not seen Ted Lasso. Maybe I just don't want to see Jason Sudeikis be that character. You, you maybe that's Jason my take. I fun, funny comedy guy. I like Jason Sudeikis. He's, he's the guy that can make me laugh at anything. You're a truly irredeemable asshole. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I think I think where the interesting, because like I think where most people get into this movie is like, well, for me, it was like, the monsters look ridiculous. The Like, what is this con? Like, her stuck in it. <clears throat> but then to realize, like, what's going on and what the monsters actually indicate and, like, the freedom that gets released from it, I I end up enjoying a lot. Once it switched, once the – it was like, what the hell? How are, I was like, how are you going to resolve this movie? Like, it makes no sense to me, and then it made perfect sense to me. <clears throat> so I thought it was an interesting time. Dylan, what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, I saw this movie for the first time around when it came out, I think, like, just after, like, maybe a year after, and then it was on Netflix, and I discovered it, and I knew nothing about it, and I really enjoyed it. On this watch, I still really, really liked it, but I think there are some aspects towards the end when we, it sort of revealed, like, what's happening, I start to, like, I have a little bit of nitpicks, like, I'm not a huge big of a fan of, like, because you said it is a ridiculous concept and i'm completely okay with it i would have been fine if they just didn't explain how it actually happened but like when you actually find out it felt like so shoehorned in like the explanation of how like oh she got struck because, by lightning fuck it i don't well, know how did they not remember that they got struck by lightning in this yeah. place like so many years ago Scott, maybe your memory doesn't work too good after you've been i don't know struck by lightning <laughs> okay sure that's no. a convenient explanation i guess <laughs> that is one thing that i was just like well fuck it why don't you just ride it on the wall <laughs> he has the toy of the exact robot right like how do you not recall? Oh, this kind of and the drawing like the of, wasn't that drawing of like the monster she is or whatever yeah. the drawing of yeah. it. So, I'm like, why, why don't you just fucking write it on the damn wall and tell me what the twist is? Like it was, I, it was and, and so honest, forced that upon. One scene is the one thing keeping it from being a yeah. five star movie for me is that scene being. <laughs> Because they even have the yeah. conversation of like, oh, yeah, I remember this place. It was like a construction site or something when we were kids. So they remember stuff about this, the place even, but they don't remember this like massive event that happened to them anywhere. Sorry. Sorry, Dylan. No, it's fine. Yeah. So that that kind of bothered me. It just it felt like it didn't need to really be there because it was like they don't even harp on it. They just kind of move along. So it doesn't really hurt the movie too bad for me, but it was a little annoying. Also, like 
Jason Sudeikis's motive motivations in it. Uh, like, I think he's great in the movie, but there's a certain part where it's like his character just all of a sudden yells like, you know, your life has always been amazing and mine like does not or whatever. And it's like, we've only seen her life kind of sucking currently. Like it felt like a little bit, like it came out of nowhere and it was just like, needed to give him extra motivation or whatever so he picked the plot of oh your life is so much better than mine or whatever it was a little annoying but yeah so i have nitpicks like that but i think jason sudeikis is fantastic in it as his and hathaway i think the casting of it hit of him uh jason sudeikis is like fantastic because of everything we said just like him playing against type that was the first time i ever seen him in like a super dramatic role like that and he is playing a truly monstrous character in like every way and he is completely selling it like i thought he was like amazing on it in the movie plus his switch is really gradual like it starts like you see the moment like it starts slipping into like the <clears throat> it's kind of like the door shuts and then the real person's there like yeah. there are two different people on the outside and like he makes the switch like Here's the thing that, one thing i noticed when because this is my second time watching it is like he's not even when you first meet him it almost doesn't even seem like he's trying to hide it that much because he says these random things that just feel like very passive aggressive and like mean and then he would like just be like a douche to his friends or whatever and it's yeah, like he just randomly yells it i think joel is his name and yeah. then like condescends tim blake nelson all the time yeah what was going on with the joel character like it seems like he is kind of just a tool of the plot because he shows up, they have a little, you know, hookup or whatever, him and Anne Hathaway. And then, you know, kind of when we start to, when Jason Sudeikis really starts, things start to kick in, shit starts to go down, is when he, like, sees them together. And it's like, oh, now he's jealous. And, like, But then he just doesn't even really play that much of a role in the rest of the movie. I, I don't know, I just kind of felt like he was kind of, he was there just so we could, like, move this along to the next step in terms of Jason Sudeikis's descent into madness or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's yeah. a very good question. I think you I think you hit the nail on the head, Shannon, because you left the two people to watch the tries around. You know what? You got a good point. Um <laughs> Scott, you seem to be like the most negative, I would say, on the movie. Eh. So I, tell us what you thought. Yeah. I mean, I do think, like, I do think it does the whole nice guy, toxic masculinity thing better than some movies and, like, um, makes its stance on the issue pretty clear. And I think, like, the way that that, like, intersects with the power dynamic of I'm controlling this robot, right? Like, I think that is pretty on point. Um, I just think, like, to your point, it's like they are very interested in telling a human story underneath all of this it seems like they're just way more interested in that and therefore did not put a whole lot of effort into the actual sci-fi monster part of it because you know there's these like plot holes that we're kind of bringing up um and there were some other ones too that were just like questionable to me also how does she go to south korea at the end like how did how can she afford to get there like we have you think she's like going off of tips from the bar that she was working at like I, I, these like things just started to kind of accumulate uh, for me, See, and my like, my assumption was always like, a I don't I, I don't think it really matters how she gets there because the plot doesn't like like as much as you could say like the plot doesn't concern itself with things like that or like a few other things and that's a bad thing to me. I'm like, I it, it doesn't really matter how she gets there because it's what she does there that's really important and like 
if she really wants to get there, she's going to get there no matter what she has to but do. I guess she's, but she's lucky, I guess, that what she did worked, right? Because I don't think there was any sort of uh, guarantee that that was going to be the case, right? Like, how did how did she know that? Um, I mean, that you, going, you got you got to take risks in this life, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> sure, um, but I just, just feel maybe like if you take a risk, you too can one day throw Jason Sudeikis into the sun. <laughs> I um. You know, I went into this movie and like I'm not a big monster movie type person at all. So I was like not interested in that aspect of it. And so I feel like I should have liked it more because it doesn't focus as much on that aspect of it. It is it is more about the the human element of it. But I was like, it just kind of feels like a lot of window dressing, some of the sci-fi elements of it. Like if you want to just tell this story about you know, toxic masculinity and the intersection with that and like power dynamics or whatever. I don't know that you even need to like have this whole robot element because the sci-fi, I mean, you can, but the whole sci-fi elements of it just weren't that engaging to me um, because there were just like some logical inconsistency. So I, I still liked the movie. Like it's an interesting movie. I, I'm, you know, glad that I watched it. Um, but like, it just feels like one aspect of the movie feels one major aspect of the movie feels a little bit half-baked for me but i think the performances are fine i don't have a problem with jason sudeikis um again i think it was actually kind of clever casting i like Anne Hathaway. yeah i sound like a dumbass now you know i think it's correct <laughs> casting no i mean it, it's there are other people who are going to have that reaction i think i mean i feel like this is a non sequitur but um another movie that he's in sleeping with other people I, I feel like in that movie, that's the example. He is way too much of a, a nice guy to play this role. Like, I, I, cu I couldn't believe him in that movie in that role. But this movie, I think they're weaponizing that um, to do what they want. Um, I may be the only one, but I kind of did want to see, like, Jason Sudeikis, like, you know, go into the sun or something at that point in this movie. Um, he didn't. I didn't see where he goes. I know he goes far, but one of the most like ways to like kill some like a person is just eating them like you know like you think about like somebody stabs or shoots this guy gets yeeted and i just wanted to see where he, he gets so, literally like just throws him movie pretty much movie ends yeah i'm surprised she was able uh, to pick him up immediately like first try as well she didn't like fumble around or whatever trying to yeah she just like <laughs> like oh i got him tiny. <laughs> i was like what the and she just, i just love a small jason today just like put me down like okay <laughs> um so uh so two people saw it two people didn't uh cam so cam said it's not five stars cam what is it it's a four and a half out of five. It still makes my top hundred favorite movies of all time. I think this movie's fantastic and very rewatchable. Um, but yeah, not a five, four and a half. Sir. Dylan, you've seen it now twice. What's your rating? Yeah, I'd still keep it at four stars, which is what I had it at originally. Yeah, I think it overall i think it i just have some like minor like nitpicks with like this where the story goes and like some character decisions and stuff but overall i think the movie as a narrative like works so it, i can ignore that stuff um i'm at a three and a half uh liked it overall um could go up on rewatch since you're saying there's more things that you can unpack from a rewatch but three and a half definitely didn't have a bad time with it definitely enjoyed it for what it was um 
again, and for being completely out when it started, to be honest with you, I was just like, oh, I don't give a shit about Anne Hathaway being this monster, whatever. <clears throat> I can just imagine kaiju fans or whatever. Kaiju fans, like, coming across this and thinking, like, it's a, like a modern-day monster movie, and it's, like, this actually emotional, like, in, <laughs> in your feelings thing. I'm like, what the fuck? Thing is, like, if, if you go to Colossal looking for a monster movie, like, <laughs> sure, it is there, but that's not what the movie's about. The, the monster... Does it explain... Hold on. Metaphor. I know we gave scores. Does it explain why they just choose Soul as the stomping ground? Because what they were doing, the, the doing diorama a was a diorama of Soul, right? Yeah, I might have missed that part, but I'm just like, yeah. I'm just like, well, this random fucking city you decide to stomp it every day. Like... <laughs> It is very contrived. Like again, this is kind of yeah. what we're saying. It, it, they happen to have the toy robot and everything. It's like okay. Couldn't have picked like fucking like no planes Montana where no one lives. And just stomp <laughs> around for a little bit. Jeez, these people well, scream every night. Well, you the, thing, the thing I think is like it's very important to the story that it is a place with a ton of people. Well, yeah, because like it, yeah, it's because it, he a, falls it down and it pass away into changing herself yeah. at first. And it makes it makes you take his snap. You see the people of Solo says, I'm so glad she got over what she, she got rid of him. Like, thank God, because I'm really tired of people dying in this town. Um, uh, Scott, what's your rating? Uh, I, I do want to say I did like kind of the resolution of her um, relationship with uh, Dan Stevens and how she basically kind of oh, was yeah. like screw you like you know you're the one who kicked me out or whatever so um i don't know you anything i thought that was good and, and it was like it shows growth of the character of like i'm not gonna even like lead this dude on anymore like uh you know i'm not i'm just gonna block these toxic people out of my life kind of but anyway um i'm between a three and a three and a half i'm feeling nice today so i'll give it a three and a half wow yeah, I've been on the show a lot with Scott. I would guess that would have been a Christ, three. I'm Michael Campbell. Fight. I don't know. <laughs> well, I haven't actually rated it on Letterboxd yet. Maybe when I actually go. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> That's fair. Um, so we're going to go with uh, the next movie we're going to talk about is Ang Lee's second greatest movie behind Hulk. We're going to talk about the ice storm. So, Scott, take it away. Yeah, um, I chose this movie because... I think it's super underrated. Um, and, you know, Cody brought has brought um, it up a couple times on um, not this movie, but on the top 100 that we did recently, you brought up Mystic River. And, you, you, you know, I know you love that movie. And I believe I said at the time, I think that Mystic River is fine, but there's a trilogy of uh, like the New England family drama that is even better in my opinion one is manchester by the sea which i think is you know a commonly well-known and appreciated movie depression um, by the sea yeah one is in in the bedroom which again i think more people have started watching because of todd field and tar and then this one is maybe like the least and this is the other one that i started and this is like maybe the least sort of talked about still um when people think of ang lee you know they think of they think of broke by mountain they think of crouching tiger they think of life of pie they don't think of like him doing this very American film um, because this is, yeah, this is his first American film, I guess. Yeah. Um, of his career. Obviously he did Sense and Sensibility before this, but I guess that would qualify probably as a British film, but um, 
Yeah, but basically it's set in the 70s. It's the story of a couple of families um, and in Connecticut and sort of their interaction over the course of the holidays, the winter holidays. Um, and it is a it is a family tragedy, right? Like, again, I'm comparing it to movies like Mystic River and Manchester by the Sea. So um, you kind of know what you're getting into. But, um, you know, you have one family. It's uh, Kevin Klein, Joan Allen, Christina Ricci and Toby Maguire. And then um, the other family is um, Sigourney Weaver, Jamie Sheridan, um, Elijah Wood. And then I don't know what the name of the, the young boy actor is, but um the Sandy. kid from Jumanji. That's all I know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's um, all I know. But Kevin Klein is having an affair with Sigourney Weaver. And then Christina Ricci is like a pervy teenager who's kind of like tormenting uh, both Elijah Wood and the kid from Jumanji who are both kind of like having a crush on her. Um, but, you know, it's just one of those movies where like there's just like a series of events that happen and, you know, it's all building towards like um you know when the the tragedy is going to happen um and i just think it's a very sad but but beautiful movie and i think it captures a, the time and place really well like i think it's kind of stunning that ang lee you know coming from taiwan was able to make a movie like such an american movie honestly like it is set in the 70s and it is a i mean it is more than anything probably it's about like this time in american life um, you know, Nixon, Watergate and everything is kind of like underscoring um, a lot of the movie. Um, and it's just like a period of of people doing whatever they feel like just to feel something kind of. You know, there's a whole set piece in the movie that takes place with like this swingers party. They go to Alice and Jamie's house and um, it's like nobody really knows what they're doing, but they're just like searching for for something. Right. Um, and. Yeah, I just I, I think it's a really, you know, engaging movie, despite being really sad. It is one that I come back to like they did this on the rewatchables, which is kind of weird. Like, again, you, you wouldn't think of this movie as being like a rewatchable, but somehow it is. I just think um, on the whole, it shows Ang Lee's versatility um, as a director, which is like maybe my favorite thing about him as a director is he's done so many different types of things and shown that he can excel in most any um, genre. But also the performances are really great. Like Joan Allen is somebody that I don't understand why she doesn't act anymore. She has, I think, three Oscar nominations, two or three. And yet she has been in like two movies in the last decade. I don't know why she went away. I think she's a phenomenal actress and she's really good in this. Kevin Klein, of course, you think of him more as playing a um, comedy role, but like he, you know, nails the dramatic stuff. Although he is kind of like bumbling in a way that like you come to expect from him. Um, and yeah, Toby Maguire is also really good. Um, it's a, it's a great movie that I think more people should check out. What did y'all think? I'm, I'm fully on board with this movie, but uh, the Mystic River, you talking about that in this, it's like not, not even close in my opinion, <laughs> but we'll leave it there. If maybe if Kevin Klein walked to the door and then Christina Ricci's in there, is that my daughter? Like that might have been on board, but he's not, um, yeah, I think the one thing I will give it the where it tackles like the actual American like time. This just movie feels like a '90s movie doing the '70s. Like it's all over it, and it's like very like tacky. And I get that. That's what you're spo like. That's where you're going, but it's just 
that's one thing that I just overall the performances are really strong. The into overall movie, uh, not a movie that I absolutely like loved, but it's not a movie that I was just like, what the fuck are we watching? It was it, it was a complex story. Like it was not a complex story. It's the family dynamic, but it's somebody that seemed like they like grew up with this family dynamic, like because of how like attention to detail it was throughout the movie, which made it work for me. That the kids are slipping out of control. Like I wouldn't say slipping out of control, but they're doing their own things, and parents that really don't know how to get themselves in together and have a normal life with them and having to work through, like there's even a point where it's like Kevin Klein and Sigourney Weaver are like in bed together and he's like talking and blah, blah, blah. And like the, it was one of the, like the most real like statements is I already have a husband. Oh, you're right. Yeah. I have yeah. no interest in having a second. We're having an affair and let's leave it alone at that. And it's just like, yeah, he's trying because he can't have that. Like he doesn't have that, like conversation or whatever with his wife so he wants to like have it with somebody else and she's like I have no interest in that so overall I think the kids acting was again for what they grew up to be great but at that time there was still weakness I think Christina Ricci is really good in the movie um and Toby McGuire is Toby McGuire at this point for me um everybody else's thoughts from that was my thoughts I thought it was overall again I had to look up the director I didn't look at it when he gave it to me I looked at him, and I'm like, wow, Ang Lee did this? That's a little shocking to me because I just didn't think that how he knew the, <laughs> the American dynamic so well. Like, One thing I forgot to say I want to add real quick is that I love how the movie <laughs> looks as well because it's so, like, gray and, like, it's very, like, austere looking, again. And then that is contrasted with the end of the movie and spoilers, spoilers, but when Elijah Wood gets killed um, and, like, he is standing there and all of a sudden for the first time, it feels like in the movie, there is an explosion of light. Right. And it's, but it's this power line that's like exploding. And the, you know, irony, right. Is like, he stops to like see something that he perceives as like, you know, kind of strangely beautiful, right. In a world where they're not seeing much of that. And in that five seconds or whatever, where he stops, he's not even doing anything particularly dangerous, right? He's just, he's standing at a far distance away from it, but he stops and looks like this moment of beauty and bang, is zaps him and he dies. Yeah. yeah. So I, when I had heard the, about this movie, it was sort of, I had heard, like you guys were saying, I the comparisons to other like movies like Manchester by the Sea. And I, I was expecting, going in expecting something like very broad and melodramatic. And so I was actually like very pleasantly surprised with how like it is, it does get, go into like the melodrama later in the movie, but it's mostly like actually very quiet and intimate mm -hmm. and atmospheric really. Like I love, like, I think the sound design is like surprisingly really great. Like there's just certain parts where like the wind is just blowing through like the trees and they're obviously covered in ice and you just hear the twinkling of the ice or the the ice crunching when the train is moving at the beginning it's mm -hmm. all really fantastic stuff uh yeah i by the time it it's one of those ones where it's like you just slowly feel it like creeping up on you and then when the all the melodrama like finally hits at the end and elijah wood uh dies it like it just all like releases and it hit me really hard like, like especially not even like the part when they bring the body back to the family but at the part that really got me was like the very end of the movie where they're all together and they see toby mcguire come out of the train and they're all they all look happy for a second and then they all get in the car and then there's just this moment of silence 
and then Kevin Klein just breaks down and then the movie cuts to black and it ends that that was like yeah that was crazy like <laughs> because like when you bad. really when you, when you really think about it, it's like all of them almost in their own way contributed in some capacity to like this happening like you know the parents weren't there for the kid the little brother was screwing around with Christina Ricci like they're all doing something else and you know trying to distract themselves from reality the depressing nature of reality at this time and the effect that it has is that Elijah Wood just can wander out in the middle of the snow and get killed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I am not American as neither is Dylan. Um, and so hearing these pre-descriptions of like, yeah, the American family dynamics of the nineties, I was like, ah, oh boy, I don't really subscribe to those ideals or am fully aware of what they are. Um, and also, I was definitely worried going into this because I had heard it described as, like, an extremely melodramatic version of, like, a hangout movie in a way of, like, you are just kind of watching people exist for a while, um, which I know, like, that's a lot of what movies are. But, like, when there's not really an extreme driving force behind the plot at any point, I oftentimes lose interest in a movie like that. Um but I was actually pleasantly surprised by this movie. I actually liked it a lot more than I thought I would. Uh, I think there's some very solid performances. I I struggle with Kevin Klein when he's being a dramatic actor um, because I, I don't even love him as a comedic actor a lot of the time when I think doing comedic things. And then just don't hearing... Wild Wild West? I don't see that one. Uh, oh. But like hearing, hearing Kevin Klein doing his same voice that he always has um, and trying to be dramatic at points. I'm like, well, that's not working a ton for me at times just because to me, I'm like, that is the voice of the guy from a fish called Wanda. That's true. Well, I'm with you on that one. But don't you think the casting was intentional? Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure the casting was intentional, but maybe I mean, this one makes us pick somebody else for it. <laughs> Um, but no, I thought it was, I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. Just the way everything progresses, the way, like the way that at first, like you have Weaver's character dealing with Christina Ricci being around and you're like, okay, she like, like, sure. She's like having an affair, but she seems to be like a mostly conservative prudish woman. Who's like, stay away from my children. I want nothing of that nature happening in my house. And then less than an hour later and you find out that she's hosting a swinger party at her house basically and you're like hmm interesting <laughs> okay but like i think it progresses in a really interesting way uh to me i think christina ricci is probably my favorite performance in the movie i think she's very interesting because like her character is very much just like yeah it's a teenage girl who is like learning her sexuality and wanting to like explore it and be expressive and basically everyone around her is like how dare you be a person trying to do these things you're a child and it's like and then like obviously it goes in a very weird and at times a little bit unsettling direction um considering how young uh yeah the kid from halloween h2o is um <laughs> he's also in that um but yeah and then like toby Maguire, i think uh just like 
the really sad nature of his story like when he's first introduced and you have him talking about like oh i like her and it's like you didn't tell your best friend did you because you know that every time you tell him that you like a girl he bangs her before you can <laughs> you're like oh god and then you meet him and you're like yeah this is the exact douche that i expected when i heard that <laughs> statement about it. which i think crumholtz is so good in his like few little moments there because he's the one character that is truly just like comedic in this movie. Um, but yeah, of course I, he's I, there. He goes to like the house to meet up with her, and like, of course, he's there. Yeah. Well, I think it was really interesting too, is because like that the most uncomfortable scene for me in like the entire movie was when Christina Ricci and the Jumanji H2O boy goes into goes into the bat like to show each other whatever and then he starts like losing like screaming and then the mom Sigourney Weaver comes Sigourney out Weaver walks in yeah yeah and she goes your body's a temple why she's also begging your father like not her husband and, 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 and is that I, I think it's that night or like the next day with the time yeah they're on the swing you host a party that everyone in the neighborhood is going to be at where they have sex. Well, that was at Alice and Janney's house, right? But like, she yeah. does go to it, yeah. Yeah. And and like, they were being so uh, obvious about it. Also, when they were like at the the swingers party, was is like one small thing is like Kevin Klein is like walking over to her and like talking in like kind of a loud voice about it. Or I think it just like underscores that these people just don't even really know what they're doing. They're just like trying right. to, you know something and it's crazy christina ricci is like two years removed from casper at this point and like comes in and gives this kind of a performance of like a real like like really like smart performance like by her like the age she is and able to uh you know un understand what subject matter she's too uh acting about so overall oh, I, was, I, was I was like damn do i gotta start watching yellow jackets and not wednesday because why would i watch wednesday <laughs> Because of Jenna. Uh, yeah, but I was like, I was, I had my doubts, but overall, I was pleasantly surprised with this movie. Um, again, knowing nothing about it prior, so I really enjoyed it. Um, anybody else want to say anything before we score? Just watch it's the other movies in the watch the other movies in the trilogy, uh, and and then I've already seen Manchester by the Sea and the I will say, I will tell you, New England. New England family tragedy rankings. I think for me, I would put this one number one. I would, and then that's I would put crazy in, in the bedroom, and then I'd put Manchester. But they're all great. Um, the, the, I it's not I a trilogy. Do it the four because Mystic River is Mystic River, Manchester by the Sea, this movie, and I haven't seen the other. Is that my son or my daughter in there? Is that my daughter in there? <clears throat> Stop touching my daughter with the Richard Nixon mask on. Um. Uh, yeah, is that my daughter in the Richard Nixon mask? Is that my daughter in the Richard Nixon Yeah, that was... Of course I was, uh, was that uh, subtle enough for y'all, the Richard Nixon mask? <laughs> yeah, we're in the 70s, and you need to know it by Richard Nixon. Yeah, yeah okay. Um, all right, Scott, what's the rating? I, I moved it. I had it at four and a half. I moved it up to five stars. I think it's great. Um, I think it's in the top tier of Ang Lee's movies with Crouching Tiger and uh, and Eat Drink Man Woman. So I love it. Um, I will give it four stars. 
enjoyed it a lot. I am I'm planning on revisiting this one. Um, Dylan. Yeah, I give it four and a half stars. I think I, I really enjoyed it. This type of uh, quiet, intimate drama is like the stuff that I really, really enjoy. So yeah, this was definitely, definitely a good watch. Uh, Cam. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it more than I thought it would. Thought I would. Uh, I give it a four out of five in my ranking. And of the Ang Lee films I've seen, it is a top four Ang Lee film. I think that's the cool. best I've done with one of I've my movies seen, that I've, I've watched to the show. Four of them. You know what? You know what? I'd say it's top two of the Ang Lee films I've seen. This is better than Hulk and Life of Pi. A very Ooh. controversial statement that no one will have any problem. And Michael gives it four shrimp on the Barbie. Um, okay. Crikey. Uh, <laughs> um, okay. So next is... Uh, where two Canadians and two Americans get to talk about an Australian film. Uh, and Frank. <laughs> I think I know exactly why Michael picked this movie. Um, basically, it, I, I think it's like... Why? Well, <laughs> that could be. But I think it's like... I don't know of many movies, but I think this shows a very glimpse of Australian life. Like, not like in his everyday life. But like in a, it's there's no mistaking where this is filmed. It's no mistaking the dialogue. It's no mistaking the lifestyle that some of the people live in there. So this, <clears throat> this movie was wild to me. <laughs> um, the number one, like I told these guys before we hopped on, I googled do Australians actually eat kangaroos because I thought kangaroos was just not something you chew like you eat. I just thought that that's my mistake that's my bad they clearly do and all supermarkets in australia have kangaroo meat and you can get different cuts there's there's places i don't know if they have any of this there are places in canada where you can get kangaroo that's just crazy to me but who wants to explain this movie does anyone want to explain it? Like, so the- I can, I can if you need. Something. Go ahead, Scott. Go, no, it's, go. It's a pre- it's a pretty simple setup. This dude. Yeah, it's very simple. This dude is a teacher. He uh, is kind of like a teacher in this um, like place, like this small town that he doesn't really like because he basically just got randomly assigned there because and and now he's like stuck in some contract basically. Um, so he is going to Sydney, however, for the holidays to visit his girlfriend, and he ends up stopping in this town, like in the middle of nowhere in the outback. He gambles all his money away and gets stuck there. And then the rest of the movie is basically him going on a bender with these like drunken buffoons who live in the town and basically seem to spend all of their days just drinking an insane amount of beers, hunting kangaroo, you know, doing gay stuff also, maybe. Um, It's just, it just gets wild. It is like an Australian Safety Brothers movie. Like, it just, like, keeps your anxiety, like, pumping um, for most of the movie. It, it, like, it it has some deliverance vibes as well, for sure. Um, But, yeah, it's... That's the description of the movie, I guess. Yeah, I I would agree. And after somebody that just saw Deliverance for the first time, definitely got that vibe. Definitely got some of that vibe. Um, I didn't love this movie. 
I'm be one of the people that didn't. I did not love this. Um, <clears throat> one, I guess maybe if I knew a little bit more about like <laughs> Australian like people and like what goes on. Let me just tell you, Mike and Jake are like, and Kelly are <laughs> not these people. Um, <laughs> overall. Know. That we know of, because man, could you imagine? Like, I can't do this match this week because I'm going out kangaroo slaughtering. <laughs> um, but overall, I think the acting overall is just there's like slow points, um, points that I just didn't really enjoy. There's a 20 minute segment, I would say, and or it felt like that long of them just sh- one. Let's start this. They run down a kangaroo, like. In the car, like they just blast this thing and why it's chasing down. And then there's a 20 minute segment of them just shooting these things to fucking like multiple like times. Fight Walking right up well. to it. Am I making that up or doesn't yeah. he just doesn't one of the dudes? He slits his throat. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he like walks right up to it and yeah, has to like wrangle yeah. it. Yeah. I don't know if the part where he slit his the slit its throat was real or because I don't know if that would have yeah, been part of the hunt, the, but the yeah. People at home who haven't seen this, who I assume is everyone. <laughs> it should be noted that this scene where they're hitting kangaroos with their car and shooting kangaroos is almost guaranteedly not done with any sort of special effects. Oh no, they yeah, have, it's they real. Yeah, yeah, they put a thing in the credits for the movie right when it cuts to black. It's like, by the way, because I know this is what you've been thinking. This was a part of a hunt, and all the footage was taken from a real-life kangaroo hunt. This is the opposite of so. the opening thing of RRR, where they're like, no, insert 30 animals yeah. here. We're exactly. <laughs> yeah, like, no, they're like, we fucking butchered all of them. Like, why, the, why, the, and- <clears throat> why would they put that at the end of the movie and not at the beginning? <laughs> Like it's yeah. like we already like, saw. Oh, oh, you saw us. They, like, they don't warn you that it happens. They're just like, yeah. yeah Someone's sitting there clearly. Someone's sitting there, and be like, huh, these just great effects. And then get in there, like, the fuck? <laughs> Are you fucking seriously? Like, yeah, it's really? brutal. It's like just malt, like, and you see these things just like die over and over and over again. Basically, they like. <clears throat> they shoot it. I, it's just, it's, it's wild. It's wild. Again, I, if there's a movie out there that they hunt koalas, consider me out on that too. I'm out on this. Like I consider like, kangaroos because I don't also like straight up kill people. <laughs> well, I'm fine with that. They're cute and adorable. And they shot, don't touch them. Don't leave them alone. Let them don't crawl up the things. But, but like for me to sit there, as I'm not Australian and watch like kangaroos. I think of them as like those that you don't, mess with and for them to slaughter was wild again didn't understand the australian life that much didn't really love it the crocodile dundee i liked it a little bit more than this movie um i can see elements of why you might like like people might like it a little bit but i it was just not for me uh any part actually worked for you guys I like this I, movie a lot. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> of, course, Dylan of course you fucking did. I was like, okay, cool. Michael's not going to be here. I'm going to be the one guy who likes this movie. Listen, I'm a big fan of this movie. Uh, if you follow my letterbox, you know I'm a big fan of uh, The Lighthouse. So you want to pitch a movie that's just 90% people going insane and drinking and losing their minds and losing track of time. I'm in. But... Uh, so I, I enjoyed this movie and like sort of a descent into debauchery. I thought it was like really well done. Uh, yeah, it's 
it's hard. I don't want to go back to it, but it's really hard. I can watch, I can watch all fake cruelty in movies all I want. When real life cruelty like actually finds its way into the movie, it's really hard for me to like stomach it and watch that. So the extended kangaroo murder scene scene is uh pretty hard for me to watch and kind of brings down the movie as a whole for me. Uh, so yeah, it's kind of the extent of where my thoughts lie on the movie. But overall, I enjoyed it besides that. I just... And, uh, I... Sorry. If you wanna... Oh, okay. Well, I just... I struggle with what the point of it all is. That's really the the issue for me is... Yeah, it's like you're not bored watching it. And like, you know, especially during the beginning is... Um, you know, it's pretty gripping, like watching him doing the gambling and all that. Like I was like all in on that stuff. Um, and then it's just like, it just, it keeps going, it keeps going. And then, you know, he gets away, but then at, at the end of the movie, it's like, well, I'm sorry that I looked at you people with such disdain or whatever. It's like kind of the attitude that he had. I'm like, no, like you should be looking at them with like, I don't understand the point. I kind of wanted Michael to be here, especially so because I'm sure there are some nuances as far as like you know, how this portrays Australian people in the outback area in particular. But if this movie was trying to be about this guy who has a really primitive view of the outback who comes out there and then sees a different side of it and changes his viewpoint, uh, it I don't I don't know why that was the road that it tried to go down because these people are crazy and uh, I would not say that uh, they are, uh, you know, humane individuals and uh, that um, this guy should change his opinion about them if his opinion was that everyone in the outback is is you know crazy. So it works, I guess, on a purely visceral level of like being a horror movie in a way, like it's sort of surreal outback set horror movie. But like beyond that, I just I don't really understand thematically what the movie was trying to do. Yeah, I'm with you. Again, I think that's the major point of it. There wasn't like a guiding like through it. I really didn't like even any of the stuff at the beginning to tell you the truth. I was bored. Like I think it's like a nice being like go ahead. I don't think the that the lead actor is that great either. I, I think uh his right. performance, like I, there's just not much to the character, it seems like I didn't understand a lot of his motivations i mean it's very simple again it's like i hate that i am in this contract or whatever um and i don't want to be teaching where i am again this is this is his whole like he's biased against like this i guess other outback town that he's teaching in or whatever um i guess is the message supposed to be it could be worse right you could be living in this place i don't know but i didn't think he gave a very convincing performance (laughs) yeah i Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I didn't I didn't like this movie. I'm gonna be straight up. I did not enjoy this film. Um yeah, I did I didn't think the lead actor was all special. I think the beginning was the most interesting part, but that wasn't very hard. Um he loses all his money in a gambling game that they never once explain how it works. You just watch the people with a stick throwing some coins and they pick up money willy-nilly, it seems. Um and then, like, they give the little bit of setup of, like, who he is and where he comes from. And, then, like, he's trying to make money. He's trying to leave. And then he finally makes the money to leave. And then, oh, where does he go? He ends up right back there. And it's like, why? 
why why are we wasting our time then everything that just happened was pointless and again maybe that's the thing is like no matter what you do you'll never escape from the terrible life that you're living in in this terrible backwater australian town and then yeah like they straight up murder kangaroos irl and film it and then as scott alluded to like there's just random gay subplot for truly no reason it it means nothing other than just like to kind of make every character involved in it less likable in various ways um I mean, this, he probably, I mean, he basically, like, rapes him, right? Like, I mean, they are completely intoxicated when they do this, like. I don't remember this part. I'm confused. <laughs> well, it's not, it's not explicitly shown, but, like, it is when he and Donald Pleasance, like, go back to, to the, to Donald Pleasance's house and, like, fall asleep. But then when they wake up in the morning, uh, it's, like, heavily implied that, like. Okay. Yeah. They, there was some sort of encounter between the two of them and i think i think that's my major drawback is like there is that not main character that i care for or like draws me into the story to like oh you're a fish out of water you feel like he just goes along with everything basically and it's fine but like i i needed more of a contrast for me to like get fully behind it but how about the scene where donald pleasance is talking to him about like the one guy's daughter and like all the things that that she likes or whatever sexually and he's just like explicitly going on and the guy and the guy walks outside to like pee or something like yeah he's peeing out back and donald pleasant's like just walks right up to him as he's standing there peeing and continues telling him about how this this chick is like yes. all kinds of freaky stuff sexual wild. yeah the movie's the movie's wild um Michael, I think, has this at five stars. He does. Um, Dylan, what's your rating? Because you're the closest to liking liking this movie. So, uh, I'm torn between. Uh, I'll give it a three and a half. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, Kale, what's your rating? You know, since we started talking, I have reassessed, and it went down. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was gonna give it a two. It's a one point five. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm at a two. I'm at a two. It's probably one point five to be real, but be nice. I'll do a two. Oh, so it was. No, it was right? getting all the confirmation and talking more and more about the fact that they really did just straight up murder actually done the kangaroos and film it. That I was liking. Yeah, you know what? It's a one and a half. I I can't get behind <laughs> killing kangaroos. I just can't. It's not my cup of tea, and that will be a part that will never. Survive. Which, like, I also need to say, like, like not to like say that it should be interesting, but like that sequence is shockingly boring. For the fact that you are watching yeah. a real life kangaroo hunt on film, like oh, entire you're just waiting for it to be really over. Boring. Someone in this community, I don't know, it was I think it was a Caleb. But one of them asked Michael if he has cows in Australia. I don't remember who said it. I don't know what moment it was, but if you have cows, <laughs> please stop killing kangaroos, okay? Please, for the love of everything. Uh, Scott, where are you at? Uh, I'm giving it three stars just because it wasn't boring. Um, you know, it was kind of a fascinating watch. And I guess, on a, again, on a visceral level, like, it is effective. But I just, I don't understand if there's anything more to it than that. 
All right. Um, so second to last movie we're going to talk about are Tigers Are Not Afraid. Dylan picked the shortest movie. Yes. So. Congrats. Uh, go ahead. Tell us why. Yeah, I remember this is a movie I randomly came across uh, on Shutter like at towards the beginning of the pandemic. I want to say like it was like March 2020 around there, uh, and yeah, I basically just gave it a shot because like the I, my free trial for Shutter was about to end, and I was like, well, I might as well watch this, uh, and it blew me away. I was just expecting like this sort of. Uh, just straight up horror film but it's basically for those people who don't know what it is or what it's about which i feel like could be most people it's uh like i said at the beginning it's a film a mexican film about the drug wars in uh, mexico and it opens with uh the main the main protagonist the girl named estrella who's at school there is an attack from the cartel at her school which leads to school being canceled she comes home and basically right as she's walking home she comes across a dead body just on the street and it's basically just a matter of fact thing for her life and like that's how it is there she's basically doesn't react to it that much because that's how shitty the current situation is right there with the wars going on and right then we were introduced to like this magical realism aspect where the blood that's the blood from the body is basically following her down the street she comes home and her mother is missing from her house and she basically becomes homeless and joins with these other estranged uh, kids just living in the street. And yeah, it's basically just about, yeah, the wars and the ghosts that are created from like the people who are wronged by the cartel and them basically wanting to get their revenge against them. And it's really heartbreaking, just like a, a tale of like lost innocence in this time and uh just seeing them try to make the best of their situations where they're just on the run uh from this gang because they also i forgot to mention but she also the one of the other uh kids steals like the phone and the gun of a drug dealer and the phone has very incriminating evidence against against the the guy but the kid keeps the phone because it has like the only picture that he has of his mother so he keeps the phone around for that reason. And yeah, it's just a really heartbreaking film. Uh, manages to pack a lot in a very, very short runtime, which I'm interested in hearing everyone's thoughts on that because there are points where I feel like almost it, it could have been longer to make certain stuff hit even harder. Uh, but overall, I think it's just a phenomenal movie that more people need to check out. I talked first. So anybody else want to take this to start their overall thoughts on it? I'll go. Why not? Uh, I was actually familiar with this movie before Dylan sent it in. Cause as I put in the chat, uh, in probably late 2019, uh, once a month, the local like indie movie theater would run a movie trivia bar trivia night, uh, that I would go to with the only other person I knew in person that really liked movie trivia, which is one Jack Pinchuk. Uh, uh, and we didn't win one night, but we got like high enough play that we still got prizes. And our prize that we got was I got a full-size poster for this movie. I never heard of it. 
I'd never seen it, but I went, here you go. And I went, oh, this poster looks cool. And then someone on a team that did better than us offered to trade me uh, two movie passes for the poster. And I went, hell yeah. And I gave it. <laughs> I still to this day have only paid to see one movie at that theater four years later from how many movie passes we won at trivia. Um, but no, it's, I, I like it. I don't love it. I think it's a very interesting movie. I think the concepts are like very interesting to see play out and the way that like the magical realism comes into play is something that I find very intriguing. Magical realism is just a thing that I will always find really interesting. I think it's really cool. Um, but I, I never felt myself getting extremely invested in the story and I couldn't really figure out why I just like never felt super connected or like emotionally invested in any of the kids. Like obviously you want everything to work out for them and you want this to be over and you want them to be safe. But I didn't have any like personal motivations or connections to any of the characters to be like, here is specifically why I want you to be okay. And why I want you to get out of this. I think there's, I think the thing that makes this movie really effective and the thing that I like that the best with this movie is the part where they kind of are just letting these kids be kids within this situation. Like my favorite scene is the one where they are like hiding out in an old theater and they're having their own like little talent show audition. And the kid comes out and he's like rapping with twinkle lights in his hair and then the lights go and he's like, damn it. <laughs> like, uh, and like when they're just getting to be kids and having fun, uh, I think the one kid who I can't remember what his name is, but the kid who has the stuffed tiger, um, I think is just Moro. so charming and funny. And I really enjoy watching him play around with the stuffed tiger in the most serious of situations where he really shouldn't be. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's it's really interesting and it goes into some very dark places um i i didn't love it but i think i respect what it's going for it just wasn't totally for me um i definitely got like i don't know the inspiration behind her or but very uh del toro kind of feeling that's with, what i was like, gonna bring up yeah mm -hmm. the horror elements like the fantasy elements mixing with like the real life situations like and i think that's what really worked in this film I agree with you. Like, it might have been produced by him. I'll have to double check. Which would makes which would make perfect sense. I just feel like um, I felt like this movie could have really went south for me, but I was really like hooked in on the story because basically, like, to think about these children, like, basically the mom never comes back. Like, she goes to school and the mom never like comes home at that point. Like, you know, and that's like a realization of what happens in that town and to have like the town keep getting smaller basically because the cartel keeps killing people and people just keep moving away from it. So these kids have to like, like be in their own like elements. I thought was just like, um, I thought it was just crazy. Um, but like, the horror elements that worked into it that it wasn't like cliche horror or like jump scares or anything like that. Like it was actually like stuff like with real trauma and real stuff behind it. Like I the, hu was... the humans are scarier than like the actual monsters and ghosts. Like, right. Yeah. 
which is impressive for what world they're able to create. Again, I had knew nothing about it. I think the tie-in to like the title of the thing where it starts with the tiger and like ends with the, the tiger, I think was a very like smart strat like storytelling, I think what it is. And the the complex and the emotions that this film is able to give you in that runtime is insane to me. Uh, like movies can try for two and a half hours to try to give you that much like to care and this movie does like eighty three minutes, so hats off to that. Overall, like, um, like that, that, like, that's a world that I'll never con, like, like I never will understand fully because, like, I will never be like in that world. But to imagine to be a child and in that world is like one of the most. That's what that was the real horror for me that there are children on the streets or whatever having to deal with this nightly or daily, and like. That's something I will like. It's it's horrifying to me, and the way he's able to, the way they're able to tell the story and have those fantasy elements come out, kind of like depict like the the actual horror of it is, I think, was brilliant. Um, so I actually really enjoyed this movie way more than I thought it was. I thought it was the movie I was going to dread the most. I think I not because I I do bad with foreign films normally, like because I'm you know an idiot, um, <clears throat> but I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun, with, as much fun as you can have in this movie, because it's a good horror movie, but it's very depressing and very sad. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, not to make this about me, but I was interested in this movie because, like, half of my, what I do in my job is immigration defense, and it's a lot of families and people who have come to the U.S., and fear returning to their home country because of the cartels and gangs. And I mean, we're talking about Mexico and Central America as like all the people that I represent. Um, and it often is kids. Um, and so I found this to be like an interesting watch on that um, level because, you know, I get to see sort of what it realistically, to, to some extent realistically, because again, there is magical elements to it, but the actual reality of their situation is very much um real um get to see what what that is like and the fact that that you know that that is out that this movie is out there and it's very uncompromising about the fact that kids are not only experiencing it but involved in it right like i mean these kids know how to use like a gun like they find the guy's gun or whatever and they know how to use it right like it's you get the sense it's not the first time that they've ever you know held or used a gun before, even though they're young kids. Um, and, you know, just the way that they conduct themselves in the situations, like the, the you know, drug dealers and the, the cartel leaders and, you know, the one guy who's the politician, that's like the overlord of all this, they interact with the kids just as they would interact with anyone else, right? They don't, they don't treat them any differently because they're kids. They treat them with the same level of cruelty, really, that they would anyone else. Um, so I just found it like that aspect of it, like the realistic aspect of it, um, fascinating to see and, and maybe not enough movies are telling that side of the story. Um, and then I really did also like the magical realism, um, elements as well, because, you know, a lot of it is like somewhat simple, um, you know, like the idea of having the three wishes, certainly not a new concept, even like the metaphor of the tiger is kind of like on the nose a little bit. And, you know, we see it again at the end of the movie, like Cody pointed out. Um, 
but like it makes sense because it's about kids right and like this is how kids would see situations they would probably see these types of things in very basic ways i mean you know they, they are even though they are, have been forced to grow up in some regards um you know they are still kids and so seeing it in a, a more simple straightforward like these metaphors again being played out in a more simple straightforward way the whole magical realism aspect of it the three wishes like it almost puts you in like a kid's headspace a little bit watching it um and so i appreciated that part of it as well um you know i think maybe it could have had more length to it but like i did feel like it it packed a surprising punch for um how short it is and you know again you have it it's structured in a way around the three wishes like you know she has the three wishes she's gonna have to use them all at some point like you can't really drag that on forever right like she's got to use the wishes um and yeah so i i thought that the you know it was an interesting story i liked the dynamic of the kids i uh, appreciated them portraying this real life situation um in this sort of uncompromising way and I found it moving in the end, like I, I did. And again, even the idea of like the ghosts coming back, it's a very simple idea in a way. Like, you know, when you're a kid and, you know, you know, you, you think about where do people go after they die? Well, you know, maybe they're ghosts. Um, and the idea of like the ghost coming back to save the day or whatever. Um, it has like this sort of like, you know, revisionism in a way like it, it almost makes me think of like an inglorious bastards or something like that right where the uh the victims get to like see their win on the big screen um like it's not re you know it's not reality it's not how these things actually go down but it is a fantasy and it's a you know fantasy that tr is trying to see things in a positive light um so i think it's interesting on a whole lot of levels i'm glad i watched it yeah, I think it's a, a really interesting movie. Well, this is also why I love the show, because everybody picked movies tonight that I probably wouldn't have, like, jumped on my watch list anytime soon, overall. Um, I'm not saying they're bad, they're just outside the realm of, like, what I go for. Like the titles one like no like most of the time the title is like something that gravit like gets me like oh what is that about like the ice storm man i don't care about that doesn't look like an ice storm to me uh <clears throat> you know the tigers are not afraid what <laughs> should they be afraid of um but overall i think the story was really smart and i think it tells like this is a movie that i will recommend to people because i think it just definitely tells a story that one it's a quick watch one, if you're not into foreign films, you get in and you get out. But it also, especially if you like Del Toro of any kind, I think the mix of this is really close to a lot of what he practices in. So, um, especially the horror, the real life scenario with the fantasy elements added to it, I think it's brilliant. Anybody else want to add anything to The Tigers Are Not Afraid? It's not a very long movie, so without giving so much away from it. <clears throat> okay. Um, Check it out. Dylan. What's your rating? Uh, yeah, like what Cameron said about Colossal. This is actually, this is in, would be in my top 100 if I were to make one. I love this movie, so this is a five stars. Five star for me. All right. I'm at four. I'm at four stars. Um, I can definitely see me revisiting this movie. Um, Cam, where are you at? Uh, I liked it. I didn't love it. I give it a three out of five. I think on a rewatch, I could, it could probably go up, but I don't know how likely a rewatch is. 
it's one and a half stars better than Wake and Fright. So just remember that. <laughs> um, and Scott killed some real tigers, then maybe we would have got. <laughs> I give it four stars. Uh, really cool movie. All right. I, I, last... I, say, I watched Tigers Are Not Afraid, The Ice Storm, and Wake and Fright back to back to back in one Ooh. sitting. <laughs> And I, I do that. I do that often. Yeah. And I ended on waking. <laughs> I always. It's hard when I never see movies. It's hard when I never see the movies or know anything about them, really. Because when I do it, I cram them basically to the near the episode, so I have the notes and ready to talk about them. And even though I give everybody a month, I give myself like three days. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, when you don't know the order, I'm glad I ended with Tigers Are Not Afraid. Ice Storm was the second to last, and then Wake and Fright was how I started it. So, kind of glad that. Well, all like, happened. and you look at the average ratings of these movies, and Wake and Fright somehow has an average rating of four out of five on Letterboxd. You're like, why? Because yeah. they love killing kangaroos. Um, the last movie that we'll talk about is The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. Um, the reason, I, again, I said it when I started, the, the reason why I picked this movie overall is. When I first watched it, I wanted to get into Westerns. And Westerns are one of the hardest genres for me to get into because a lot are praised, but some don't deserve praise, if I'm being real. And then there are some that, you know, are very unseen. But the the I would if I was a trivia player, when the category of Westerns would come up, I would probably shit my pants. Because I don't know what question, because there are so many. Um, <clears throat> the man who shot Liberty Valance jumped off for me is because of the performances and the overall story for it. I think it works. The, with this being said, I still haven't seen Rio Bravo, which I know is like the like creme de la creme. Um, yeah. um, which is on my watch list, but I didn't want to bring that to this because I don't like the never see a movie and then. You have to talk about it. Scott, uh, Zach Ford is the only one to do that on the show and bring Paper Moon, and it was a home run for me. Uh, <clears throat> but Man Shot Liberty Valance, Jimmy Stewart, John Wayne, um, there's more people in this movie that I'm just not pulling. Um, Lee Marvin. But Lee Marvin, uh, overall, this just is a fun Western for me. It just, from start to finish, really works. I think it's a very accessible Western. I think. It, um, it deserves more light on it than most people said. So, um, we'll get into the nitty gritty when we're start talking about it. What did this movie work for everybody here, or were there people that didn't like it? Curious. So, I really like. <laughs> Sorry, you, you want to go ahead. first, Scott? Yeah. Okay. No, I re I really enjoyed it. Uh, this was my first time watching it. Uh, I actually, I think this was my first john wayne movie yeah I, well because i i think i watched like half of rio bravo but uh and then i got distracted <laughs> but it's not gonna fighting words for scott no. it's because i watched it on dvr and then the next day one of my parents deleted it i was like well fuck <laughs> i guess I have to there you go. yeah uh but yeah this movie i thought was uh yeah really cool first uh for some reason, I don't know why I had it in my head that it was legal legal drama in like the Wild West. I think it was just because I heard the character was a lawyer, but I thought it was uh, 
really interesting just the way seeing it all like develop and how it's kind of like you know it's very atypical i feel like for a western where it's not about like just guns bang shoot them up it's like the main character is like very much against that and he's like why can't we just like settle this like the old-fashioned way with words in court law and order but it's like uh yeah i thought all that was like really really well done uh the performances were really fun. I was not expecting it to be sort of as like kind of kooky at parts as it was like James Stewart. We were talking beforehand. There are some like really funny parts with James Stewart, like when he has the steak and when he like picks it off the ground and slaps it onto the plate. It's like the ste really steaks in this movie. People eat them like they're Tic Tacs. Like, <laughs> you know, the, the marshal comes that in and it's just West, like, I assume as three a steaks. Like, I, Again, we were talking before this, but when he goes, when when Liberty Valance and uh, <coughs> John Wayne's character, I can look his name off the top of my head, but are squaring oh, off man. inside, when they're squaring off, and he's like, they not they trip him, Liberty Valance trips, uh, trips uh, James Stewart, and he like falls to the ground, and he's like, that's actually my stake. He's like, well, then pick it up for him. And they, they're like going at each other, like holding their guns, like doing the whole Western square off. And then Jimmy Stewart just pops in and goes, everybody's so trigger happy in this town. Listen, I'll just get it for you. And like picks up the stake and slaps it on the plate. It falls to the ground again. And he like comedy picks it back up and slaps it on the table. It's like over the top, just like over Western stuff, but like I believe it from Jimmy Stewart. Like he sets this character of like I don't we don't have to like kill everybody that just you're ready to pull a trigger and end someone's life just like that. Like when and it's him kind of like trying to talk these two out of like this like killing each other and then he's the one that ends up taking him at the end. Um uh everybody else, uh, Dylan was talking, but I'll pass it back to the group. Did you have something uh, else you yeah, to say? Yeah, I. No, you're good. Go ahead. Go ahead, Cam. Uh, yeah, I, I much like Cody, am not very well versed in westerns. Westerns is not a genre that's particularly caught my eye. I think again because like, western is probably the most American e America genre that there could possibly be, uh, and as someone not from there, uh. It's kind of insufferable after a while with some of them. Um, but no, I think this movie does a really good job of like setting its stakes in a very simple way, setting up its characters and like their motivations and who they are, and then giving good reason for why they change. Where like when you start, you have Stuart who is like, absolutely not not gonna touch a gun not gonna kill anybody let's solve this with our words uh no violence is needed and then he starts to realize he's like well maybe violence is the only like the only way to stop this is with violence and if i don't commit violence then there will be even more violence and that's my fault um and so he starts to learn basically out of like like he is learning how to murder people because he doesn't want to have to murder people <laughs> It's kind of the way it ends up working out. Um, and then just yeah, the way it builds while also like not forgetting everything around it where it doesn't just become what a lot of Westerns I've seen do become where it's, oh, we have to take down the bad guy. 
that is now the only thing that is happening in the world of this movie and there are no other things that exist where it still is like oh no there's an election and we have a full debate and we have this full everything and it's a great scene because then you have liberty valance coming in and trying to just like intimidate everyone into electing him and they're like well no we're just not gonna do that because you're an asshole like like just just jimmy stewart gets the one over on him because he's like well yeah like they elected me because they like me because i'm a reasonable human being and not threatening to shoot them if i don't um but then yeah you get to to the actual like climax of the movie where it happens and then when you learn the truth behind everything that happened at the end i think it's a fantastic moment of like seeing where like these characters go after the titular event and then learning what really happened and all of the situation behind that at first you're like well that's kind of ridiculous and you go like then you think about it more and you're like is it though because like because you sit there and when it happens at first should i try not to spoil it or can i just say it? it's from the spoil it. you, you can just spoil it yeah yeah yeah, like, because at first he shoots Liberty, like, you have Jimmy Stewart shooting Liberty Valance, and you don't even really question. You're like, wow, he got really good with that gun really fast, and I guess he was just able to shoot super ultra criminal. <laughs> like, he just did it straight through the heart, basically. And then it's like, when you learn that actually, in reality, it was John Wayne shooting him at the exact same but, time. Well, let's discuss that. Do you actually think it was John Wayne, or... Is he covering for him, right? Because he understands that Ransom needs to become the senator, right? He needs to get elected. And he's never going to have the career that he's going to have if he, you know, gets branded as a murderer. Whereas Tom, he doesn't have any greater ambitions except being in this town. So, I mean, I think that's what the whole movie is about because, the, you know, the journalist is then like, when the fact becomes legend, print, print, the, print the, legend, the legend, right? Yeah. Um, and so I think that's exactly what happened is is tom john wayne's character is making the legend fact by saying oh no i'm the one that shot him but i don't think that that's actually what happened like i think that that is it's like you you get the respect for being willing to do it without any of yeah. the qualms of actually doing it but yeah. to it which my one thing with that is the point of i i think all the people who are like yeah you shot him is like well then he didn't so why are we still praising him? Like they don't really address that part of it. They don't need to. I I love that I finally got to, like I've seen this movie before, but like that I've heard that quote like majority of my life when legend becomes fact, print the legend. Like it's been quoted to me, and like to see it play out in this movie, it's such a badass quote. To be honest with you, like I love that line. Um, but yeah, and I'm I'm with Scott on that one. Like yeah. the covering for the this tale of the thing it was like well this is the wester when legend becomes fact print legend like it's just like exactly the yeah the whole the movie is like a deconstruction <coughs> of all westerns in a way right because that is mm -hmm. what all westerns are is somebody printing the legend like none of this stuff actually went down you know like exactly how it's depicted and in these movies and everything and you know you can extend it out even further beyond and like well we're romanticizing the old west when 
you know, this isn't necessarily a period to be romanticized. I think you get more of that in The Searchers, which, again, I think is another John Ford film, obviously, but is also sort of deconstructing the Western and Western hero in a way. But, um, yeah, I, I think that's what makes the movie incredible to me is like the that extra layer of like this is kind of commenting on all Westerns in a way. Um, and propaganda and you know it, it has greater ambitions than simply being like a nice um classic western tale but also it works on that level too um and i do think it is similar to rio bravo kind of like um, what was being described as like yes there's like a storyline of oh yeah you know eventually at some point there's going to be a confrontation between these people but that's not really the point it, to some extent like the the movie takes its time it's like you know he's hanging out in the town he's cooking he's washing the dishes he's like romancing Vera Miles and everything, all that. And it's a hangout, you know, movie in a way. It's it, He's becoming a teacher. Um, all that is is great stuff. I love the scene where he's the teacher and and he's trying to teach them all the Declaration of Independence and, uh, and Pompey stands up and like, you can't remember that all men are created equal part. And, uh, and Jimmy Stewart's just like, that's all right, Pompey. A lot of people forget that part. Uh, that's a great line, but um, yeah, I mean, this movie's in my top 100. It was before, you know, Cody even um, put it on this episode. Um, I think it's incredible. Um, I love the cast. Um, I think Lee Marvin is so intimidating. Like, you know, this character is like, everyone talks about, oh, Liberty Valance. Like, Liberty Valance? Like, you know, he's, he's the scariest dude or whatever. Nobody will stand up to him except for John Wayne. And like, you hear all of this about him before like barely even seeing him. I mean, obviously he shows up in the first scene, but um, well, not the first scene, but when they flashback, but um, I think he's Lee Marvin is perfect as like the guy who he's just immediately upon seeing him and like hearing him interact is like, Oh, you understand why everyone talks about this guy in the way that they do. And is so like scared to even go near him because he just, he just doesn't give a crap. Um, I love the opening of the movie too, like the whole when they're going to Tom's funeral, um, because you don't even know what has really happened yet. But yet somehow it's like you're like very sad and moved, even though like they haven't even explained what happened yet. Like, I think that's, you know, again, some of the strengths of the performances. Um, yeah, it, it's it's so good. Um, and, you know, again, on, on a number of different levels, it's just like a fun you know, hang out in the town Western, but also it has like this deeper layer of, you know, commentary about this period, how we, and how we depict this period in, in time. And um, also Cody, I know you didn't do this on purpose because I don't think you've seen the Fablemans, but um, you know, oh. there's a, there's a big scene in the Fablemans where uh, Sammy, the Steven Spielberg stand in goes with his scout friends to see the man who shot Liberty Valance and it basically ends up making his Western film right after that. And it is like heavily modeled after the man who shot Liberty Valance. And again, even the print, the legend idea, like is kind of weaved throughout the Fablements as well in the way, the way that um, Spielberg is telling his story. So it was actually a great time to pick this movie um, for people to watch it. So if you have for somebody it, that's never seen, didn't see the Fablements yet. So. Yeah. And you <laughs> oh, love I the Fablements, uh, then you should watch this as well. Cause it will add some, some more context to that. And also just the fact that, um, well, I'm not going to spoil it. Cause Cody hasn't seen the Fablements yet. 
I think appreciate that, that. People who are the people who are here know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Or alluding. Um. So, um, on this watch for me, I went from four and a half to five. Um, I love this movie. I think it's one of the best westerns, overall best movies. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, Scott, what's your rating? Five stars. It's my second favorite western after Rio Bravo. Okay, uh, Dylan. Uh, I'd give it four and a half. I think I really enjoyed it. Perfect, perfect, and Cam. Uh, yeah, I give it a four. Uh, again, a movie that I think on rewatch could go up. Uh, didn't expect to like it at all because it was a Western, so we're doing pretty good here. Yeah, that's fair. That's absolutely fair. Um, Maybe if they shot more right. real liberty balances, I would have given him. <laughs> yeah, that was real blood on Jimmy. If he was actually elected. Um, no, so uh, that's the show. Um, a little shorter than normal because we missed him panelists but overall we will be back next episode will be jacoby bancroft melissa me uh brian and uh cam redshaw uh scott will not be here uh for the next one but he'll be back probably for the next one after that uh the only movie i can announce is he got game uh, i'm picking that uh, so uh, watch that before next time. Um, but thanks, uh, Cam and Dylan and Michael. I'm hoping he enjoyed the movies that he watched, if you watched them. Uh, we will be back next month. Uh, like, subscribe, comment. I was like, he um, still has not do, seen any of the messages. So Do the things. He's out shooting kangaroos. That's what <laughs> I would say. Um, so we'll catch you next month. Uh, thanks. Oh, go watch The Last One Standing if you're a trivia fan. Uh, last One Standing just happened. There's two that will be on the channel by the time, and we'll be back in season four. So, uh, like that. And YLS will be coming back. Have a great one. Bye bye.